Hi everyone, Rob Martin here, host of Bigger Questions. Now just before we start this week's show, I wanted to let you know about our brand new series of live recordings coming up in the city of Melbourne. Starting next week, Tuesday 20th of August, we start our new series, Songs of the Heart. Six ancient songs with wisdom for life's biggest questions. We explore big questions like, can I find justice? Where can I find joy? And how can I be mentally fit? We have a diverse lineup of guests, including singers, business leaders, and lawyers. You can join us, be part of the live audience, ask your bigger questions, and bring other big questioners as we reflect on these ancient songs with some surprising answers. Recordings are every fortnight over lunch in the city of Melbourne at Campari House, Hardware Lane, in the city. First show is Tuesday, 20th of August at 12.30pm. Check out biggerquestions.org slash songs for all the details and the lineup of guests. We hope to see you there. Now to this week's show, and just a quick heads up that we recorded the second part of the show in a slightly echoey room. The sound quality is still fine, but we realised that this wasn't optimal. So now to the show. This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in the city of Melbourne. Today's big question, when do miracles happen? Today we have a very special episode of Bigger Questions. We recorded a live show about miracles some time back with Linda Bailey, who at that time coordinated Miracles Day for CBM, an organisation committed to working with people with disabilities in the poorest places of the world. We heard her about her reflections on miracles, Jesus the Miracle Worker, and her own personal struggles with miracles in her life. Now, I'm going to play some of that interview now, yet the story has a twist. After recording this episode, some events have changed which impacts our conversation. I'll rejoin you after this to explain some more. But now we pick up the live show when I asked Linda about what Miracles Day was. Thanks for having me. Now, Linda, your job is to coordinate a project with CBM called Miracles Day. What exactly is Miracles Day? Miracles Day is a day that radio stations all across Australia put aside uh, their broadcasting to raise funds for cataracts for CBM. Uh, We call a miracle a cataract operation. So that's uh, a $32 donation. It's a 12-minute operation and it takes someone from blindness to sight in some of the poorest countries in our world. So why is it called Miracles Day? Well, uh, look, we think it's quite miraculous that for just 32 Australian dollars and just a 12-minute operation that someone can have their life transformed in such an incredible way. Uh, having been over to, to the field and, and met numerous people who have had this operation done, it's amazing how many people have said, uh, we've been waiting for something like this. I've been praying for so long for my sight to be restored. This is such a miracle that it's, that it's happened. So for someone living in a country where their resources are so slim, they're living off one or two meals a day, to be able to have access to medical assistance that transforms their life to allow them to to keep living in a really positive, functional way, that that to them is truly a miracle. Wow, okay. Well, let's just think a bit more about the miracle of this cataract operation. So what's it like then for someone to have a cataract? Uh, So it's a clouding of the lens. So uh, an ophthalmologist told me that it is like looking through a jug of milk. 
So you can see if it's light and, or dark, but uh, as the cataract develops, you, you really can't make out shapes. A lot of people say they can't recognise which child is which or mm -hmm. which grandchild is which. Um, they can't see the road properly. It's all really quite blurred. Now, so you've mentioned that this miracle is transforming to people's lives. So how so? How does this miracle impact the lives of the people who receive the operation? Uh, when, when someone has a cataract, it means that uh, because of their vision being so impaired, often they have to finish work, they're not able to help their families, they're not able to, to care for their children or their grandchildren. But uh, in, in countries where resources are so limited and medical assistance is so limited, it often means that these people just end up sitting in their home the mm. whole day. They need help to go to the bathroom, they need help to see where their food is on the table so that they can eat. They need help for absolutely everything. Um, one of the first uh, girls I met who had a cataract operation, she was 13. And one of the things she was most excited about after she had had her operation was that she could go to the bathroom on her own. Like something so simple that we do every single day. It's a frustration for us, right? It's like, oh, who has time to go to the bathroom? But for her, it was like the biggest joyous occasion because she could go on her own as a as a teenager and a lot of the older people who get cataracts which is the most common um, age of getting cataracts as well often if their families don't have time they have to go out and and earn an income for their family and so they don't have the people there to help often their gr a grandchild is taken out of school so that they can care for their grandparent which means you're not just uh, that grandparents life isn't just affected but the grandchild child's future is affected too by not being able to get mm. their education and because they're sitting most of the time often their muscles atrophy and they become you know very stiff and their their problems happen with muscles and backs and so they end up almost paralyzed just because they have a cataract in their see. eye and then they have a miracle they do and they yeah. get some sight part of the bible we're reflecting on today comes from the gospel of mark one of the four biographies of jesus life that we have now, it recounts an incident in chapter 8, verse 22, where some people bring a blind man to Jesus and begged Jesus to touch him. So, Linda, why do you think they were so desperate to get Jesus to touch him? Well, uh, from any of the people that I've met overseas that have lived with cataracts, you know, they really are desperate to, mm -hmm. to have their sight. Um, and they'll often go to the extremes to do it. A lot of these people have spent all what little money they do have to uh, go to local doctors or to connect with any kind of person who has said that they'd be able to help them, only to still, not surprisingly, have their cataract in their eye and, and to not be... So what sort of it. things do people do to try to get their cataracts without an operation? Uh, so they'll drink potions, they'll, they'll go and see um, like the local kind of witch doctors in their local community, um, they'll pay money to someone to, to help try and have them help or they will give a pig or a goat or whatever the barter system might be mm. uh, which often leads them into a worse position because greater, greater debt absolutely yeah so what do you think it was about jesus then that made them these guys here bring a blind man to him to make them want to touch him he had a bit of a track record i reckon <laughs> yeah. jesus you know he'd been going around healing quite a few people already uh he was getting quite a gathering at this time as well of disciples and so you know maybe this is, it, 
I can't determine the, the faith of the blind man right. that came. But, you know, maybe this was just another hope, another hope for, for being able to see. Mm. Well, then Jesus adopts a fairly unorthodox method to heal the man. It says in verse 23 that he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Then Jesus spits on the man's eyes. So do you recommend this as a treatment for I do have to say, uh, on behalf of CBS, <laughs> we do not endorse any spitting in any eye at any time. No. Okay. Um, in fact, I heard once an atheist who criticised this healing and said that if someone spat in another person's eye, it would have no therapeutic effect and the person wouldn't get cured straight away. So how does this atheist or this misunderstand Jesus' treatment here? I, I actually find that it just shows the diversity of Jesus that mm -hmm. he is. It's, um, there are a number of different accounts of Jesus uh, giving someone back their sight in the Gospels uh, and all through different ways. And I think so often we try to understand Jesus to you know, replicate exactly what he does, work out you know, the, the formula that Jesus has for healing people. But I, I guess for me, these different ways that Jesus heals blind people in the Gospels kind of says to me he he actually doesn't have a formula you know he he has many different ways we can't box him we can't know exactly what he does and why mm. he does it um, but yeah. that he he uses sometimes spit I think you know when he put mud in uh, one of the another, another, blind, man's another blind man's eye you know that seems pretty disgusting although when you've got that compared to some saliva i think i'm going for the mud actually <laughs> so uh, you've picked kind of the grossest one here well, no, but i don't think it's jesus isn't advocating what's well, not suggested that it's the spitting is the actually healing agent is it it's actually jesus himself has the healing power isn't that's it? right that's, that's what he's saying yes yeah. yes but the spitting obviously doesn't quite heal the man the blind man sees people look like trees walking so once more jesus puts his hands on the man's eyes and then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Uh, this man's sight has been restored. You'd have to say that's a miracle? I would say so. Yeah? Yeah. The very first Miracles Day cure, do you think? Oh, look, you know, if we had something quite, quite that uh, astronomical, we might, might have a bit more fundraising. <laughs> <laughs> everything would be sorted. But yeah. Right. What do you think then is the significance of the healing in two stages? So first with the spitting and then with the touching. I think, uh, look, we can relate it back to our own lives today um, in the position of this passage where it is in Scripture. Uh, Jesus has just fed a whole heap of people, uh, thousands of people, and uh, yet the disciples are still kind of questioning, you know, and they're, they're still wanting proof and they're still wanting something really tangible to, to believe that Jesus is, you know, the Son of God. Yeah, and there's also a sense, I suppose, in which there's a lack of understanding that someone you... you think you know someone but then you see them in a different light and then everything becomes clear yeah and so do you, do you think many people in our world don't quite see Jesus clearly I think absolutely everyone doesn't see Jesus clearly mm -hmm. uh, I think we all try and we certainly you know through reading the Bible we certainly get a, a better understanding of him you know we're, we're all on uh, on a journey to understanding Jesus more and more uh, I don't think we will ever until, you know, we, we finish in glory, we will come to the point of knowing him completely. But there still is a sense that we can, we can see him somewhat clearly to actually follow him. Yes, 
guess. I mean, you've got to have some sense of who he is to commit your life to him because yes. you do change your life quite a bit when you decide to follow Jesus. Mm, so, mm. yeah, having that understanding does help. Now, here we're talking today about miracles. You believe in miracles. You make miracles happen in some sense with CBM <laughs> and you believe in Jesus as a miracle worker. But one of the lines from the Queen's song isn't reality in your life, the miracle of a test tube baby or of any baby at all. Can you share with us a bit about your struggle? Yeah, so uh, my husband and I have been married for 14 years now and uh, we've been trying to have kids for 10 years and it just hasn't hasn't happened for us. We've had people pray for us, we've prayed ourselves, we've put you know, prayer petitions in at church and all those kind of things, but it hasn't happened for us, not, not naturally anyway. We've had four children in our home, uh, mainly through the foster system and we currently uh, care for a two and a half year old who is actually the son of our foster daughter uh, and we're his primary carers so we've certainly been surrounded by babies in or children in one way shape or form but as far as searching for that miracle for ourselves uh, that that hasn't happened for us and that's been a it's been a real faith journey for us and and a bit of a struggle too to think you know God might heal someone says oh God's healed them of know a broken toe or you know of a head cold that's really great for them but I'm like you know your body would have healed in time you know this is something that we physically can't do for ourselves and um, so yeah it it has been a struggle sitting with that and living with uh, I guess a miracle that hasn't taken place for us in one way, uh, but I guess it's opened up a whole avenue of other miracles and other lives we've been able to pick uh, mm. and, and be a part of through that. So Linda, when miracles happen or don't happen, what are we to think? When looking at this passage uh, in Mark that we were talking about before and seeing how God could, that Jesus could, could heal someone and, mm. and give them their sight, it made me realise that actually we worship the exact same God today. You know, God has not changed from that time when, when Jesus was walking on this earth and, and preaching and healing people and showing us the best way that we can love and accept other people. Uh, that's, that's the same God that we worship today. So uh, who's not to say that a God who made miracles happen 2,000 years ago can't do the same today. Uh, and, and I believe that the miracles happen outside the medical advances that we talk about for, for Miracles Day with CBM. Mm. I believe that, you know, the, the supernatural can happen. Our God is bigger than anything we, we possibly have uh, access to here, here in our little world here, mm. um, he, he can continue to make miracles happen. Uh, I think he has the bigger picture though. And so often we don't always know why a miracle might happen and why a miracle may not happen. Uh, and maybe we won't know until we get to heaven and, and he kind of shows us the, the full picture that there is. We, we don't always know. Um, and we trust and we believe, even though we might not have all the answers, but we believe that our, our loving, gracious God does. Mm. So that was Linda Bailey when we originally spoke. Since then, however, her situation has changed. Now, I recently caught up with Linda again and I asked her specifically what has changed in her life? Well, it was interesting because a couple of months after we recorded that, I actually got asked to consider a job at a church. 
um, which I did consider and I, uh, I took on that job only to find out three weeks later that I was pregnant. Wow. Which was, let's just say, a bit of a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel when you found that news out? Uh, so it had been 12 years um, that my husband and I had been trying to have children. Uh, we'd had a number of foster kids and, to be honest, I was, I was so perplexed. Yeah. I, I would love to say that I was just filled with joy and marvelled at how good our God was. Yeah. But um, I actually didn't believe the pregnancy test <laughs> that we had done. And so uh, my husband had to go out and buy some more yeah. uh, to bring home. It had been so long since we'd had to do a pregnancy test. The ones we had at home were out of date, right. you see. <laughs> and I can remember sitting on my bed uh, while my husband had gone out to, to the shops and just thinking, why, God? Why? I, that's all I could think to say. Why, God? Why, God? I just couldn't understand how, after 12 years, this could be part of his plan. Right. Wow. So, so it seemed almost too good to be true? or By the time we, we worked everything out, I was already eight weeks pregnant. Yeah. And it took me until I was at least 16 weeks pregnant to fully appreciate that I was pregnant and that this was potentially a, a really great thing in my life. <laughs> it's not that I was really negative about mm. the pregnancy. I was so overjoyed about yeah. it, but I was still so hesitant. I mean, this is 12 years mm. of having hope lost, of having disappointment um, and, and basically letting go of a dream mm. to suddenly in one night having that dream totally changed because of a pregnancy test that I didn't really even believe in. Um, So it it actually took me a long time to Mm. get my head around it too. I also felt that I had uh, an understanding with everyone else who hadn't been able to conceive naturally as well. And now I, I no longer had a voice in that mm. area because it's so easy when you're on the other side mm. to say, oh, yeah, I understand it's so difficult for that person that is back, you know, living with infertility. It's it's like, no, you can't understand because you have your miracle. You yeah. have your child. You, you don't actually fully understand what it's like to be me. So I, I almost felt displaced. Mm. It's like... Where, where am I now? I've, I've, I came to terms with my infertility. I lived with that for 12 years and that, that helped define who I was mm. and it, it helped my understanding of who God was and all of a sudden that was changed. Being one of their allies perhaps at one point and now the relationship's tense, I suppose, is it? Yeah, in, in some sense. And, and I had some people say to me, oh, you know, we've been, we've been hoping and praying for nine years, so, so you give us hope that there is still potential. Um, and I almost felt guilty for, for giving them hope when I know realistically it, that may not happen. It may not them. actually happen. So that, that creates a tension for you, I suppose, and, and perhaps in their relationship with God as well. Yeah, that's right. And, and because I had no answer 
Mm. I I didn't know how this had happened. Mm. Apart from your basic <laughs> physicality, you know, I, I didn't there, – there was nothing different then yeah. than there was 12 years ago. And it was really interesting how many people – felt that they needed to be able to explain it to mm. me. It was like, oh, well, you know, you're in a better job now, so you're more relaxed. Well, I'd had three different jobs and three <laughs> different stress states. That wasn't a case. I'm, I'm sure they were good jobs as well. Oh, <laughs> fantastic jobs. Oh, oh, you lost weight. So, you know, you were clearly healthier. Well, I'd been all kinds of weights yeah. over those 12 years. But it was interesting for me to reflect that other people felt they needed to be able to explain it mm. uh, without without it just being something that had naturally happened mm. or potentially a miracle. So, wow, that's that's fascinating. So you mentioned that you think this is a you claim it a miracle from God. So has your view of Jesus changed? I think our view of Jesus changes regularly. Yeah, I think our God is such a huge, remarkable God. We, we will never be able to fully understand yeah. the immensity of God. And so every time something happens in my life, whether it's a, a celebration, uh, whether it's a tragedy, um, whether it's a change, then uh, my perspective of God changes as well because as my life changes and I get a greater perspective on my life, it actually feeds into my perspective on God. Mm. So it, it definitely has. So how then is it your view of God, of him now bigger? My view of God is much more accepting that he is in control and I am not. Because even though... Because this is clearly something that was out of your control. Totally. <laughs> that's right. And, and as my first question to God when I found out I was pregnant was, why? <laughs> and, and why now? Like mm. of all the times that, you know, I, we could have fallen pregnant or times in the future, times in the past, I just... And I still don't know mm. why. So you haven't got an answer to that question yet? That's correct. I don't. And... As I now parent a toddler, I still think, oh, why now? <laughs> why, why not when I was so much younger and right. more, more capable and right. more able? So when we talked before about looking at Jesus, the great miracle giver, now you mentioned that we don't ever quite see him clearly. So do you think you see him a little bit more clearly now? I think anyone who works with children or has their own children as well can get a greater perspective of Jesus. Yeah. I think we we miss a lot of God's creativity, his imagination, his wonder if we don't include children mm. in our perspective of faith. And certainly as I look at uh, this incredible ball of life and laughter and fun who has come into our family uh, and feel so humbled with the blessing that he he has been to us um it does it helps me to be more humble mm. to jesus mm. um to have that different relationship with him and also to acknowledge that as we often call him and consider him our father our heavenly father uh, how much more I admire God for loving us and caring for us and always being there for us 
when let's be honest, we can be punks sometimes <laughs> and uh, we, we go our own way and do our own thing. So that's the beauty of the Christian message then for you that even though we're punks, as you describe, he still gives us good gifts. Absolutely. Even though we're completely undeserving of them. Now, a question would then emerge then, if, well, if then you just believe in God, do you think he's always going to grant our miraculous requests? Well, I think the last 12 years has shown me that he doesn't just grant our miraculous requests. Um, I've done quite a bit of study on miracles Mm -hmm. and I've read quite a lot of articles and books and blogs and listened to podcasts about miracles. And a lot of people have a lot of different ideas Mm -hmm. about why they do happen, why they don't happen. But the one thing that is consistent through everything that I've read and everyone I've heard is that when it comes to asking why does God answer some miraculous requests and not others, the general answer is we don't know. Is that frustrating for you though? I am a control freak (laughs) through and through. It is totally frustrating for me and I know a lot of other people sit much more comfortably with Mm. that. Um, I would love to know exactly what's happening tomorrow as far as, you know, what I should do and I'd be happy for God to take me by the hand and lead me through every step of the way. But that's not how God works. Mm. And if he did work like that, I'd probably be really frustrated that I was worshipping a very limited God. (laughs) And I think, too, it's very easy for us to have an understanding of the world that we are in And the world that we live within with the people we mix with and the things that we do and the workplaces we go to, we don't have the bigger picture um, Mm. that God has and we never will have. Mm. And we can never fully understand God Mm. because the moment that we can, then he no longer Mm. is God. But you can still trust him. Even though you don't know everything. That's what we talked about before in the other show. That's right. And, And that's faith. Mm. That's that element of faith that we trust without knowing everything. And I think it's not a blind faith for me. I feel like I've had so many experiences, personal experiences of God Mm. that helps me to know that he is real, that he loves me, that he accepts me and that he's always there for Mm. me. Uh, So it's not just a, oh, yeah, I'll just believe anything and everything even though I don't understand. Um, You you need to have some experience and some understanding, Mm. particularly for me who's willing to step out and live my whole life according to my faith. Mm. It's my job. It's how I raise my family. It's the conversations that I have. It's not just a little tacked-on part of my life. Mm. It consumes my whole life. Mm. Was God still good to you then when you were childless? Absolutely. And... I think I felt when we did find out that we were pregnant, I think I was almost disappointed because I felt that we were able to say to people, regardless of having unanswered prayer, God still blesses us, God still loves us, and I still consider myself a child of God, even though I felt broken in a particular area of my life. Mm. There are still plenty of areas where I am broken, so I can still say that. But this was uh, certainly one area of my life, and I'd had to learn to process that over Mm. the years as well. Um, 
But absolutely, God, God blesses us in all our brokenness because no one is fully complete. Mm. So if he, only, if he only blessed those that had it all together, we would live in a very blessless mm. world. In some respects, we're all punks in the eyes of God. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, Linda, when do miracles happen? I think they can happen every day. And the God of miracles that we read about in the Bible and the God of miracles as he gives miracles to lots of different people, whether it's someone living in a slum in Thailand who receives sight through a cataract operation or whether it is someone living in the eastern suburbs of uh, a city in in Australia, um, the, the God who gave miracles in the Bible is the same God today. We don't always understand why and we can't predict when and where, but our God is an incredible God and I do believe he does still do miracles. Mm. Well, let me leave you with some of the Bible's answer to the big question, when do miracles happen? From Mark 8:25. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Thanks again to our guest today, Linda Bailey. Thanks so much. Well, thanks for listening to Bigger Questions. We'll be back next week with a fantastic conversation to celebrate National Science Week. We have six scientists sharing their stories and we're going to feature some previously unreleased material. So don't miss that. And don't forget to follow Bigger Questions on our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And please share the show with your friends or colleagues. Let's get the word out and get more people asking the bigger questions in our world. And also, if you wanted to invest in bigger thinking, maybe you could support us on Patreon. For as little as US $1 a podcast, you can help create better dialogue around the bigger questions of life. So thanks for listening, and remember to keep asking the bigger questions.